Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. Uh, Welcome tonight as we talk about the promised subject, Understanding the Paranormal. There was a movie that came out last year called Paranormal, and it was about a couple uh, who began to hear noises at night, and so they set up a video camera that would uh, come on with any noise and or any motion, would set it on, and they put it up in their, in their bedroom, and it would play during the night, and uh, they recorded different movements and ended up uh, that they put down... Uh, salt, and they could see footprints in the salt, and uh, anyway, the movie goes on, but uh, it just shows the reality that we are being bombarded with things that can be called and should be called paranormal. Now, the definition of paranormal is things that are impossible to explain scientifically, unable to be explained or understood in terms of scientific knowledge. We are seeing what appears to me to be an upsurge in this reality being presented to us through various media, be it the movie industry, be it the television, or in books. There's been a very popular uh, book series that came out last year uh, called something like Twilight. It was about uh, vampires. They made a couple of movies about it, but this book just was really popular among Particularly, I understand teenage girls, uh, but it was about vampires. Uh, there's a television show on uh, weekly uh, about vampires that's filmed in Covington, Georgia. Uh, there is uh, another television show called Supernatural that has to do with uh, angels and demons and and uh, all sorts of paranormal uh, things. Also, we. Uh, we see an upsurge in, in books about werewolves. Uh, we also see on some of the one of the TV channels, I think it may be Discovery, there's a show called Ghost Hunters, I believe, and they go to places that are known to be haunted, and they set up their scientific equipment to record sounds and uh, to record electromagnetic energy and uh, cameras to pick up pictures, and they get some images sometimes, and and uh, they have gotten sounds that uh, you could, if you really use your imagination, you could maybe hear a whisper coming out or something. Uh, but this is just seems to be just continually bombarding us, uh, not to mention the continual honest, uh, thing about UFOs, uh, uh, things of that nature. Well, the question comes up, how do we as Christians understand these things? Now, you could just say, oh, you know, it's just a bunch of uh, nonsense. People just make it up. There's no such thing. Uh, But there seems to be so much of this, and much of it seems to be documented from reliable sources that I really don't think we can just stick our head in the sand and say it doesn't exist. And I'll talk about some of the things in a few moments that uh, do have a good bit of documentation, and we'd be hard-pressed to just uh, 
say they're just made up or just pretend. So how do we understand these things? Well, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to recognize that there is a spiritual realm. Again, it's paranormal because the spiritual realm cannot be understood in scientific terms. Uh, it's very nature. It's not scientific. Science is something that can be observed, that it can be repeated, uh, that hypothesis can be made and it can be tested, uh, things that are, that are quantitative that can be measured, that can be uh, examined by our senses is the area of science. When you get into the area of the spiritual, you are in the area of, the definition would be paranormal. We used to call it metaphysical, beyond the physical realm. And so Christianity is a paranormal experience. And so I think we've got to, first of all, get a clear understanding of the spiritual realm that is around us. There's a physical world that we're all very familiar with because we live in it every day. But there's also a spiritual world that's just as real. In fact, it is more real than the physical world. Uh, Just because we're not able to see it with our physical eyes or touch it or smell it, or feel it, uh, we may think it's not there, but it is there. And it is around us all the time. It is uh, simultaneous with our physical existence. So I want to talk just a little bit about the spiritual realm. And you probably already know this, but for those who may be listening on the Internet or those who may be listening to the uh, CD, I want to cover this for them. Now, first, the truth about the spiritual realm is we have two opposing forces. We have God, and He has His messengers that we call angels, uh, and God is supreme. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He knows everything. He's omniscient. He's all-powerful. He alone is God. There's none other like Him. This sets him apart. He is the creator. Everything else is the creature or the created. So he's above everything. He alone is holy. He is totally other. And he has spiritual beings that he has created that we refer to as angels uh, working with him. And then we have a negative aspect of the spiritual world an evil aspect, and that is comprised of Satan and his demons. Now, Satan is not just anti-God. I mean, some people might think, well, you've got God and then you've got Satan on equal levels. No. No, Satan is just a created being, just like an angel. He is only and was an angel prior to his fall from heaven and his rebellion. You can read about it in Isaiah 14. But he is just an angel. He is not omnipresent. He cannot be everywhere at once. He can only be one place at a time. He is not omniscient. He does not know everything. Now, he knows more than you and I do just by virtue of being around so long. He's learned a lot, but he is not uh, omniscient. He is not omnipotent. He is not all-powerful. He is more powerful than we are, but he is not all-powerful. All right? He is not in any way, in any measure, anywhere close to measuring up to God. 
He is simply a, an angel that has rebelled against God. And he has, in his rebellion, he has other angels that have rebelled with him. And those angels are called demons. Now, God is all about the salvation of his people. God created us because he loved us. He didn't have to create mankind. He did not add a thing to himself. Uh, he would, is still God, would still be God if he'd created no one. He's totally sufficient within himself. He doesn't need mankind to be complete or sufficient. He has complete fellowship within the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But as an act of his love, he created mankind. As you know, Adam and Eve rebelled against God. They sinned. Sin entered the human race. But God was not content to leave man in this condition. But he sent his own son, Jesus, who became a man, lived among us, took on humanity, lived a perfect life, was the visible expression of the invisible God. He was God-man, totally God, totally man. And he died on the cross. He took our place. He was our substitute and died on the cross in our place, took our sins, our guilt, our punishment upon himself. And he rose from the dead, victorious over sin and death. And he brings salvation to his people. To those whom God has chosen from the foundation of the world, God works in his time and his way to bring them into his kingdom. And God is about establishing a kingdom and establishing a bride for his son, Jesus Christ. And as we have seen in our study of Revelation, all of human history is moving toward God's redemptive purposes, God's redemptive plan, and that is to present a redeemed bride the church, to His Son Jesus Christ to be married to Him and spend eternity with Him in heaven. And that's what God is about. Satan, and the word Satan means adversary. Satan is adversarial to everything that God desires to accomplish. Satan's primary purpose is to oppose, to stand against, to seek to stop and destroy everything that God wants to do. And Satan being only a spirit can only be one place at one time, and he needs a lot of helpers. And it's indicated in Scripture that a third of the angels rebelled with him. We don't know how many that, that was. We don't know the number, but it was plenty. And they are helping him carrying forth his plan, and that is to stand against, to seek to destroy everything that God desires to do. And because you are created in the image of God, He hates you. He wants to harass you. He wants to deceive you. He wants to trick you. He wants to draw you away from God. He wants to do everything He can to keep you from becoming a Christian. By getting you into deception, by getting you into bondage, to sin, to addictions. But he cannot keep you from becoming a Christian. And once you become a Christian, he changes his strategy. From then on, he wants to harass you. He wants to intimidate you. He wants to cause you to fear and worry and distract you away from God's call in your life. And he has many various ways that he goes about seeking to do this. But if he can get you as a Christian to take your eyes off Jesus, 
and to worry or be afraid or get pulled in some other direction through his deceptions, then he's happy. He has sought to keep you from fulfilling God's purpose for your life. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 talks about Satan disguising himself as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. Paul is talking about false prophets, false preachers. And he's basically telling the church at Corinth, you shouldn't be surprised about this, because even Satan himself tries to disguise himself as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. So don't be surprised. Satan is not that ugly creature with the awful looking horns with the long tail. No. Satan is very attractive. He presents himself as a savior, as one who is enlightened, who's one who can offer you happiness, one who can offer you contentment, one who can offer you peace in life. And so Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, as that which is good, uh, that which is pleasing, that which is beneficial. And so keep that in mind as we continue in our study. So as you start trying to understand the paranormal, understand that you have God who desires and is bringing about the redemptive history to present a bride to His Son, Jesus. And then you have the adversary and His demons. And the word demon simply means knowing one. And it refers to the intelligence of demons. And you would be intelligent also if you'd been around since Adam and Eve. You wouldn't have to be real genius to just be around and observe what's going on and know it. And so they are knowing ones because they've been around so long. But understand all these various paranormal phenomena in the light of this spiritual understanding of Satan, the adversary of God and man. First, we're going to look at ghosts. Now, there was a, a, a house where we grew up in my hometown that was known to be a haunted house. Maybe there was one where you grew up. But the people who lived there gave accounts of seeing this little girl at various times, one time I know in particular the woman uh, in the house was putting combing her hair, getting ready for bed, and she was sitting down in front of a mirror, and she saw in the back a little girl walk past. Now, they would hear the rattle of chains at night. Now, I do not think every account that people have given of ghosts is by any means true. I think a lot of it is made up, a lot of it, is just a lot of, of hoax. But I think there's too much evidence to say that there's no such thing as 
what people call ghost. Now, what is the typical explanation of ghost? It's somebody whose spirit is roaming around because of some tragic death or some tragic event. Their spirit is trapped here on earth and they cannot leave and go to the great beyond until they get some resolution for some situation. Now that is what we're told that ghosts are. And so around battlefields or if somebody's been murdered in a house, many times it would be said that there's a ghost in that house. These ghosts, again, will make strange noises. They may sound like chains rattling. They may appear, apparitions they're called. What are they? They're not the spirits of people who have died. Jesus, in telling about a parable of Lazarus and the poor man, Lazarus, you remember, went down to torment, and he was begging to to go and tell his brothers what the truth was, that they might not enter into the same fate that he was in. And he was told by Abraham, no, you cannot cross over because there's no going from one to the other. There's no going back. Once a person dies, his spirit goes to Hades, if he's an unbeliever, the torment section. If he is a believer, he goes to heavenly places. There is no hanging around, folks. What is it then? What are these people seeing? They're seeing demons. They're seeing demons that are manifesting themselves like these people who have died. Why? Why would, why would Satan want to do that? Because he wants to pull people away from the truth of God. He wants to get people concentrating on these things rather than concentrating on God. And people can get caught up in this. I mean, they can get caught up trying to communicate with this ghost or, or trying to find out what this ghost is trying to say to them, what this ghost wants them to do. And all of that's keeping them away from spending time with God and concentrating on what God wants them to do. And it's fostering this whole belief in a, a system or a, a reality that is totally unbiblical, totally against the Word of God. All right? So, Satan's purpose is just to distract people from God's plan for them by getting them caught up and all these ideas of ghosts. So if anyone tells you that they have seen a ghost or their strange noises, you can be sure it's not the spirit of a dead person roaming, waiting to somehow get set free. There's nothing but a demon there who is acting like that person. Okay. Now let's move to the next phenomena, and that is UFOs and space aliens. Now again, many accounts, I believe, are totally fabricated and are untrue. But I don't think you can discount all of the sightings of UFOs. We have had presidents that have claimed to have seen objects in the sky moving. Reputable Air Force pilots have reported seeing unidentified flying objects outside the windows of their jets, doing things that are uh, aeronomically impossible. There's no way a plane could move in the way these objects are moving. 
Also, alien abductions. You have many stories about alien, people being abducted by aliens. Uh, people supposedly seeing aliens. Again, I would be the first to say many of these are fabricated. But I really don't think we can just write them all off as being fabrications. What's the biblical explanation? They're demons. They're demons who are presenting themselves in a way that would lead people to think they are life from other planets. Aliens from other planets have come to earth. Why? Why would Satan want to do this? Because he wants to distract people from the truth of the gospel. I mean, there are people spending hours after hour after hour of studying UFOs and trying to find out all about these aliens when they should be spending time in the Word of God. Now, Don Elkins said, I have found that some people can achieve the contact phenomena simply by being hypnotized, and the same general message permeates over 90% of the millions of words received by thousands of people around the world. In other words, there are people who say aliens have spoken to them. And particularly when they get hypnotized, this seems to come out. Now, what do you think the general message that the aliens are telling humans? Listen to it. We come from the Interplanetary Confederation of Solar Systems. And our purpose is to aid our brother man on the planet Earth as the new age dawns. The teacher that was known to you as Jesus was able to use many more of these abilities than people of this planet. Unfortunately, man upon planet earth has misinterpreted this man's life. He was no different from any of you. He was simply able to remember certain principles. These principles may be realized by anyone at any time. It is only necessary that you avail yourself to our contact through meditation in order to realize that which is rightfully yours, the truth of creation, and your position in it. Know you not that you are gods? We have been puzzled at times by the inability of people in general on this planet to be awakened to this simple truth and to find that the state of hypnosis brought about by the evolution of thought is so great that it is necessary for him to maintain a constant awareness of his spiritual nature through meditation. Man is now in the transitional period before the dawn of a new age with peace, love, brotherhood, and understanding as the great new era begins to dawn. Now, that is the main message that all of these supposedly aliens from space are communicating to the people here on earth. It doesn't take a spiritual genius to see what these aliens are trying to do. Jesus was just like us. He was just a little ahead. If you'll get into meditation and hypnosis, then you can do things like Jesus does. I mean, it sounds like Mormonism in one sense, but it's nothing but Satan's ploy to try to get people 
distracted from the truth of Jesus Christ. Now, Brian Reeves, in his findings, says, From our analysis, the teachings of the space beings appear to support many of the principles taught in Oriental philosophy by the seers of the Far East. Now, I've tied in with what Paul has told us about Hinduism and meditation. These aliens have said, if you will just meditate, if you will enter into hypnosis, then you can come to understand this truth that you are God. Well, meditation, as we have said, the danger is when you just try to, to, to blank your mind by saying some, some uh, that you don't, mantra that you don't even know what it is, just repeating the phrase over and over and over again and putting yourself in these positions, you're just creating a vacuum in your mind and Satan just loves to come in and take over. Same thing about hypnosis. People who understand hypnosis better than I do have said that hypnosis separates the spirit from the mind. And therefore, with that separation, Satan is able to come in, the demons are able to come in and bring about thoughts and changes and even get a stronghold in a person's life. Now think about it. How incredible is it to think that literally thousands of genuine extraterrestrials would fly over 420 billion miles through space simply to teach the New Age philosophy, deny Christianity, and support occultism. You know, why would these entities actually possess and inhabit people just like demons do if they were really advanced extraterrestrials? If they had the advancement that it would take to travel over 420 billion miles, and I say that because the closest star to the sun is Alpha Centauri, which is 420 billion miles. And if there was a solar system there, similar to ours, then they would have to travel at the speed of light over 420 billion miles to come down here and espouse to us a New Age philosophy. (laughs) It doesn't make sense to me. A culture that advanced? No. What do we have? We have demons that are manifesting themselves, and just as angels can manifest themselves, you remember the angels that were at the tomb of Jesus. Angels can manifest themselves. The angels were seen by the shepherds at the birth of Jesus. Demons can take on human form. And so what we have in these, if people are seeing something, if they are seeing things they call aliens, trust me, they're nothing but demons manifesting themselves in this way for the purpose of, of drawing us away from the truth of the gospel. The Bible does not indicate anywhere that there is life on any other planet other than earth. Now, it might be, but the Bible doesn't say that it is. And when people think some super intelligence has come, then they want to listen to what it's got to say. I mean, these people are intelligent enough and advanced enough that they can get to earth from out of space, then they must know what they're talking about. And they're telling me that we misunderstood who Jesus was. 
that he was just enlightened man, and we can be just as enlightened. We just need to meditate. We need to get in touch with the global consciousness through hypnotism. So it's clear to me that that's nothing more than Satan trying to distract people. All right, now let's move to the third category, and that's mediums. Again, you think of a medium, you think of seances where people get around a table and they try to contact the dead. Uh, necromancy where they, again, seek to contact the dead. Uh, much of that, I think, again, is fakery, hoax. But I don't think all of it is. Well, the understanding that they're trying to tell us is this person just has a super sensitive spirit and therefore they're able to communicate with spirits that have crossed on over. Someone who you love has died. They can get in touch with that person and give you messages. All right, a lot of it's fakery. But the reality is this person, if they are truly contacting anything, they're contacting a demon. There are those demons called familiar spirits. These spirits hang around these people while they're living. So they know all about these people because they're hanging around them all the time. All right, this person dies. So this loved one comes to this medium, and this medium seeks to contact this person. Then what's happening is the demon who is familiar with this person's life communicates with this median and tells them all this information that the loved one thinks nobody would know this, but, but the person themselves, all this is private stuff. Well, let me tell you, demons are not stopped by doors. They can go through doors. They are right next to, with, beside that person. They see their entire life. They know all those things. And so they're able to give that information. Again, what's the purpose? To draw them away from Christ. To get them so caught up in in trying to contact this loved one, trying to, to, to keep that communication going, rather than turning their eyes to Christ and trusting Him to provide what they need in their time of grief. Also, let's move number four to witches. Again, we are seeing a lot of information about witches come out. Uh, Wicca. Again, a lot of this is nothing but but fakery. But I think there are those people who are tapped into the demonic that actually the demons give them powers beyond human powers to be able to do things, to cast spells. The biblical explanation, again, is just that. It's the demons that are working through this person to accomplish what they want to accomplish. All right, psychics. Here again, we have, have heard about Edgar Casey. We've heard about Gene Dixon back years ago. Uh, and surprisingly enough, these people had about 60% accuracy. Nostradamus, supposedly he has... Predict, predicted things that are happening. Although when I see the writings and I cannot make out the prediction, I, you really have to stretch it to try to figure out what he's saying. Uh, it's not like Scripture that's real clear in, in the prophecies. But anyway, uh, 
Uh, how can these mediums, uh, these psychics, even get it right 60% of the time? Again, it goes back to the demonic. Right, demons communicate with each other. They see things going on. Someone, I think, predicted that John Kennedy would be assassinated. That was a big thing. I think it might have been Gene Dixon that said something like that. All right, here's how that would happen, okay? Now, demons are hanging around. If Oswald was the one who did it, demons are hanging around him. They're seeing what he's doing. They're listening to his conversations, if he's indeed the one that assassinated him. Whoever it was, these demons know what's going on. Well, they communicate to these other demons who communicate to Gene Dixon that there's going to be an assassination of the president. All right? So her information has simply come from one demon listening to what was going on with, with uh, Oswald and communicating to other demons that finally communicate to her. Well, why is it that they're only right 60% of the time? Because people don't always do what they say they're going to do. See, they may hear demons, demons may hear Mark planning something, but and they go and tell Gene Dixon, but Mark says he's not going to do it, so it doesn't come out right. Okay. All right, so, you know, here's the way, that's the way it goes. But anything that they are getting right, it's because of the demonic forces that have been listening to what people are planning, even inciting people to do stuff, putting thoughts in people's minds. Demons can put thoughts in our minds. They can't make us do anything, but they can put thoughts in our minds. So they put thoughts in people's minds, and then they can see how that's carried out, and then they go and communicate it to a psychic who comes out and says, so-and-so is going to happen. Now, look over in Deuteronomy chapter 18, beginning with verse 20, because God says if somebody is going to truly be a prophet, they have got to be right 95% of the time. No, nope, that's not what it says. What about 60%? No. Nope. How many? 100%. 100%. Why? Because God knows what the future is going to be. He knows the end from the beginning. Therefore, if God communicates to one of His prophets what's going to happen, it is going to happen. So, 100% for a true prophet. Beginning in verse 20 of Deuteronomy 18. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. If you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, this is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. So a true prophet is always right. Again, you can see Satan's purpose to distract people from God. God doesn't want us to know the future. Why do you want to know the future? So you don't have to trust God. I mean, if you think if you know what's going to happen, then you can work it out and you can figure out how to handle it, don't you? So we, that's why you want to know the future. So the truth is, God doesn't want us to know the future because He wants us to trust Him for tomorrow. Plus, I think it would probably be a very alarming thing if we did know 
what was going to happen. But all of this seeking to know the future is just trying to distract us, move us away from trusting God. Number six, reincarnation. Paul talked about reincarnation a week or so ago. What he did mention was what about these accounts, again, reliable accounts of people who under hypnosis are able to regress to past lives, supposedly. They can speak languages they've never studied before. They're able to give minute details of historical things that happened in their past life that they would not normally know in their present life. How do you account for that? I mean, people use that to say, we can prove reincarnation. This person knows things. He's speaking a language that he never knew, ancient Gaelic or something, and it's no way he would have known this stuff. It's no way he could, he could describe in detail the historical situation that was that far back. He just doesn't have that knowledge. Hasn't been to, to training. Hasn't studied history. Well, rather than it being any proof that this person lived way back then, what is it? It's a demon. That person has gone into hypnosis. We've already said that opens them up. This demon just comes in. Remember, he's been around since Adam and Eve, so he's been there during that time. He's smart. He knows these languages, so what does he do? He just communicates through this person, this information. And people go, oh, reincarnation has got to be true. No. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 7, it's appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. Again, Satan is just trying to distract people from the truth of the gospel. If reincarnation is true, then why accept Christ now? I'll do it next time. If I have a second chance, I'll wait and take it. No. Once to die. And then the judgment. All right, vampires. Werewolves. Now, the typical explanation, as you know, uh, werewolf, someone that turns into a wolf in the full moon. Uh, the vampires at night, uh, able to transform themselves into different animals. Bats, usually it's said, uh, able to and have to nourish themselves on human blood, etc., etc. Now, this is one area that I have great, great skepticism that any such phenomena even exist. But you've got to admit there's a lot of folklore that have to do with vampires and werewolves. Usually, when there's that much in folklore, there's some element of truth about it some way. All right? Now, I, again, have had no direct encounter with any werewolves or vampires. And I personally don't think they exist. But... If one stood in front of me, I would know it was a demon manifesting himself as a vampire or a werewolf. It would not be what is typically explained by the phenomenon of werewolves and vampires. Okay? Now, one thing's right about the stories about vampires. They do react to the cross, to righteousness, and but a demon would have to react to the truth of the name of Jesus. So, if for, for some 
weird circumstance, you find yourself encountering one of these things, you accept it for what it is, a demonic uh, appearance, seeking again to distract you, to put fear in you, to drive you away from God's purposes. All right, now let's give a biblical response. And then I hopefully have a few moments for some questions. Again, staying in Deuteronomy 18, let's begin in verse 9 and read through verse 14. Now Moses is speaking to the Israelites, knowing they're about to go into the promised land, a pagan land, heathens, false gods, all this sort of stuff. I mean, when there's a vacuum, you can figure Satan's going to move in. When you come into the land that the Lord your God's given you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. So God says these things are an abomination to Him. We've seen why. Because they distract you from Him and the truth. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughters as an offering. Anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens, all those fortune tellers, psychics, palm readers, all of those things fall into the same category as the psychic. Any information that they have that's a correct information is simply been relayed to them through demons who have known the person and they're relaying that information. Or sorcerer, or charmer, or medium, or necromancer, one who contacts the dead, or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You should be blameless before the Lord your God for these nations which you are about to dispossess. Listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. That's what those nations do. They listen to fortune tellers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. Again, it was all about drawing them away from the truth of God, moving them into the areas of the demonic and satanic, and all those different things that are mentioned, practices fall within that. Now look over in Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 19, look in verse 31. Again, do not turn to mediums or necromancers. Do not seek them out, and so make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord, your God. So we're not to be involved with these in any way. Now look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So our first response as a Christian is stay away from these things. Don't get involved with Ouija boards. Don't go to a palm reader. uh, Don't do seances. Stay away from those things. The second biblical response is we're not to give a ground of entrance to these demonic forces. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul gives a very interesting understanding of how we can give a ground of entrance to demons. Now Paul is talking about eating meat that's sacrificed to idols. He's talking about going to these meetings. As you know, that the, the pagans would have festivals and they would take the best meat 
and they would sacrifice it to their idols, and then they would eat it at a big meal, the best steaks in town. And so Christians tended to want to go eat the good steak. Now, they did not believe in these idols that they were offering these uh, steaks to, and so they were thinking, well, it's okay for us to go. We don't believe this stuff. We're just going to go enjoy the steak. All right, Paul addresses this beginning in verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? Here he's talking about the Lord's Supper. He says, let's look at the Lord's Supper and see what's going on when you partake of the cup and of the bread. The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Therefore, there is one bread. We who are many are one body. For we all partake of one bread. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices participating in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No. Paul acknowledges an idol is just a piece of wood in itself. But he's going to say there's a demon behind that idol that you've got to be careful about. No, verse 20. I implied that what pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. And that word participants in verse 20 is fellowship. He said, I don't want you fellowshipping with demons. What's Paul saying? He's saying that I acknowledge this idol is just a piece of wood, nothing else. But there's a demon associated with that idol. And when these people are offering this meat as a sacrifice to this idol, they're really offering it to the demon associated with that idol. And when you partake of that meal, you are fellowshipping with demons. Even though you know that island is just a piece of wood, there's a demonic aspect to this. There's a demon there, and you are fellowshipping with demons. You are given a ground of entrance for demons to come and work in your life. And he says, you cannot partake of the Lord's Supper. And basically what he's saying is, when we partake of the Lord's Supper here, we're communing with God, aren't we? Now, we know God's not in that bread. We know He's not in that, in that juice. But we are actually coming into fellowship with God. We're communing with Him when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. He's saying the same thing happens when people sacrifice to demons or to idols. They're actually fellowshipping with demons. And he says you can't do that. You can't fellowship with God and do it with demons as well. Now, the truth I want to point out to you is, if you get involved in, in a seance or Ouija boards, I think horoscopes fall into this same thing. That's nothing but astrology, trying to read the future in stars. If you get involved in horoscopes uh, or tarot cards or uh, witches or palm readers, any of those things, even if they themselves may be nothing but a fake, nothing but a charlatan, but if you go to them and get involved in these things, you are opening yourself up for demonic attack. 
you're bringing yourself into fellowship or the danger of fellowship with demons. And so we as Christians must not give a ground of entrance. Now let me just say a word about testing the spirits. 1 John chapter 4, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know that the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So basically, anything that any spirit that is drawing you away from the truth that Jesus Christ is God's Son, who came in the flesh, made total, absolute payment for the sins of His people, did everything necessary for your salvation, is a false spirit. Any spirit that comes and says, oh, He was God, but you know, you've got to be baptized too. Or, you've got to add this, or you've got to add that. Or, Jesus Christ was God, but He did not die for sin. He just died as an expression of God's love. All these different variations. So you can test anything by, how does it teach salvation through Christ, His grace through faith alone? Or is it Jesus plus something else? Jesus plus following the Ten Commandments. Jesus plus baptism. Jesus plus meditation. Does it want to add something to Jesus? He didn't do everything necessary. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. That's the enemy at work. Also, use the name of Jesus against the powers of the enemy. There's power in the name, the person of Jesus. Now, what about voodoo? You know, you've seen them where they get these little dolls and they stick a pen in it and people get pain and all. Or what about curses that, or spells that witches might put on? Now, again, most, many, much of it is just fakery. But if that person is connected to a demon, then that demon may indeed go, and demons can bring sickness and illness on people. But not on a believer. If you're walking under the Lordship of Christ, you're protected. In fact, Proverbs 26.2 has a rather interesting word about curses. I hear some people that are so afraid somebody's going to put a curse on them. Well, Proverbs 26.2 makes it clear that if you're a Christian walking under the Lordship of Jesus, you don't have to worry about any curse some witch or somebody else might want to put on you. It says, like a sparrow in its flittering, like a swallow in its flying, a curse that is causeless does not alight. In other words, they can put any curse on you they want to, buddy, but if you're walking under the Lordship of Christ, it's not going to light. It's just going to roll off. Now, you're living in sin. You're not obeying Christ. You're in willful disobedience in your life. You're opening the door for Satan to come in and work on you. You You've got to keep your armor on, your spiritual armor. You can't let it get a hole in the armor. You've got to keep that armor on. Same thing about voodoo. They can stick all the pins and all the dolls they want with your name on it. But if you're walking under the Lordship of Jesus, you are protected. 
Same thing, you need to ask Jesus to cover you in his blood. You need to ask him to cover your family members in his blood. You need to ask God to station his warrior angels around your house so those demons can't hang around your house. They can't come onto your property. Because he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. We don't need to be afraid. We need to stand in the authority and power of Jesus and what he accomplished and what he did. Example. A number of years ago now, somebody in our church told me they were, it was this, this noise that, that, that his wife was hearing when he was out of town. It only happened when he was out of town. But it was this howling sound. I mean, it was just this, this awful sound. It was kind of like a wolf, but it was different. It, it was just an awful howling sound. And it would happen when he was out of town late at night. She had a friend of hers come over and spend the night, and the friend heard it as well. And so he asked me about it. He says, I want us to come and pray. He said, you think this can be a demonic thing? I said, well, it sounds like it to me. So I went over to his house, and we went before the Lord, and we claimed the blood of Christ, and we used the name of Jesus, and we commanded that spirit to leave that place and stay away and never come back. And his wife never heard the sound again. Now, he came to find out that his house was built on an ancient Indian burial ground. Again, many of the practices of the Indians were demonic and inviting the demons. Now, that wasn't a disembodied spirit of some dead person. It was a demon trying to disrupt this family, trying to cause problems. So stand in the power of the name of Jesus. You don't need to fear. Walk under the Lordship of Jesus. Walk in obedience to His Word. But recognize when you hear all these stories about all these different phenomena, you know immediately that's just Satan and his demons trying to drive people away from the truth of the Word of God, from absolute trust and faith in God alone, in Jesus Christ. That's all they're trying to do. And you call it for what it is. Understand it for what it is. And you won't be duped.